0: enjoy each season uh say the word season the the word season is very unique because it implies a start and a finish and if you plural if you say seasons then in your mind you automatically think start finish start finish start finish and just kind of a a rotation of, of life life is a series of seasons every area of our life has an ebb and a flow You may be doing great financially. It's summer season in your finances. You're paying bills. You're going on vacation. But maybe your relationship with your spouse needs some work right now. You may be doing great in your physical health. You have no problems, no concerns. But maybe spiritually speaking, you haven't spent time with God like you know you should or you're not hearing from God as clear as you used to. Um, Maybe um, when it comes to your children, they're all doing fine. Kids are all doing great. But maybe there's another relationship in life that you're having some issues and you really need to work hard at bringing peace to that relationship. The point is, is that every season of life has good times and bad times and ebb and a flow. And the mistake we make is we spend a lot of our life fighting to get out of the winter seasons of life. If we're not doing good at the workplace, we think I'm going to work 14 hours every day until I'm making the money I need and and things are exciting. And then things start getting exciting. Then you say, well, I'm going to keep working until things slow down. And you miss out on enjoying a season of life because you're so focused on fighting to get out of that tough financial season. Or, um, or, Or your kids are in diapers and you're fighting to get them out of diapers. And then as soon as they get a diapers, then you're fighting to get them in school. And then as soon as they get in school, you're fighting, you need to hurry up and get your driver's license so you can drive yourself everywhere. And then they get their driver's license, you need to get a job. And then they fight to get them to college. And they miss out very important seasons of their child's life because they're fighting to get to the next season. We do it in, in our, our work. We're fighting to, to get that promotion. Then we're fighting to, to retire one day. And then we're going to enjoy our life. Life is nothing but seasons. And we tend to always be distracted by the winter seasons of life rather than enjoying every part of what God has us in. Um, Ecclesiastes 3 is the whole chapter about time, and there's a time to laugh and mourn and dance and weep and war and peace. It opens up in Ecclesiastes 3 1 with these simple words. There is a time. In a season for everything. Each season of your life is part of your destiny. Don't rush or fight through it. If you're in high school, don't rush to get out of high school, to go to college. If your kids are in diapers, don't rush to get them out of diapers. If you're making $10 an hour, don't fight, fight, fight to get to $12 an hour. Enjoy where you're at. Because where you're at is a much-needed season of your life if you're if you're fighting to get out of where you're at you might not learn what you're supposed to be learning and go through what you're supposed to be going through our kids don't go from diapers to college overnight for a reason there's grades and lessons and knowledge and experience they have to get along the way you don't go from being single to having a perfectly healthy marriage overnight you have to go through times to learn how to live with each other and learn how to fight together. You know, sometimes young couples, um, they'll, they'll, they'll call me, you know, because there's arguments and stuff. And, and the goal for marriage is not to not fight. That's not the goal. In fact, if you never, ever, ever fight, sometimes I think maybe somebody's scared to share their heart with their spouse. They're scared, you know, how they're going to be received. So it's good to fight, but you've got to learn how to fight. There's a season of your life where you have to learn to how to fight in your... It's just a season. It's just a season. Um, every day when my son Asher gets off the bus, we play this game called Four Square. It's where you have a ball and four squares. And so we play, and, and, and Asher loves it. But lately we've been playing, and there's been these giant mosquitoes... They look like they were from the Jurassic period. They stayed around from the dinosaurs. I'm scared it's going to suck all the blood out of my head if it bites me. And Asher is allergic to mosquitoes. If if one bites him anywhere, his whole ligament swells up. He's allergic. And so it's very uncomfortable for us right now with these huge mosquitoes out there. And so I did some research and I discovered that here in Myrtle Beach, this past winter was not as cold as it normally gets. It did not get below freezing as much as it should have or as much as it's supposed to, so it didn't kill off all the bugs that normally die during winter season. Now, you and I, we were much more comfortable this past winter. We didn't have to, you know, go out in the freeze and cold so much. Uh, I mean, in Myrtle Beach, if it gets below 60, that's our, you know, that means we can pull all the winter outfits out. We got our nice jackets on, our scarf, toboggan. It's 59 degrees. What are we going to do, you know? And so we were more comfortable this past winter. But now spring isn't what it should have been because we missed a necessary but uncomfortable part of life we miss the freeze that's supposed to come with winter and the same thing is true if you go rushing through life trying to fight everything that's not going your way just telling yourself oh after i get over this hurdle then i'm going to relax then i'm going to serve god after i get past this addiction i have in my life then i'm going to join the church and serve god And what the problem is, is you'll spend years trying to overcome that addiction, and as soon as God helps you overcome, you'll discover there's another addiction in your life. You're addicted to TV, you're addicted to sweets, you're addicted to gossiping, you're addicted to negativity, something. We can't say, God, I'm going to honor you after you pull me out of winter season. God, I'm going to give you my all after I overcome this negative part of life. Every part of life has its positives and it's negatives. I've learned that there's a blessing and a burden in every season. Here's our problem is we always focus on the burden. And we're deceived into thinking after I get through this season of life, it's going to be easier. But there's every season has a burden that you don't see until you get there. <laughs> We always think, man, if I could just get through this, everything's going to be fine, I'm going to be able to serve God better, and I'm going to have better relationships, I'm going to sleep better at night. But no matter what season you're in, there's always a burden. Don't tell yourself, after I get over this, there's not going to be a burden. There's always going to be a burden. Our goal is to focus on the blessing of each season. So today's sermon isn't just trying to get you to enjoy every season, but I want to teach you how to enjoy every season. Here's how. The book of Psalms opens up, the whole book opens up with saying, if you hang around the right people, if you meditate on God's word, if you obey God, verse 3 says, you'll be like a tree planted by the water, producing fruit every season without fail. Everybody say, producing fruit. The goal for every season is not to be comfortable. The goal for every season is not to get your way. The goal for every season is not to fight to get to the next part of life. The goal is to produce fruit right where God has you. And a lot of times we like to um, blame the reason we're not producing fruit on what's going on around us. Well, the reason I'm not tithing is because I don't make enough money. Well, you're making something, right? Well, the reason I'm not serving God is because I have this awful bad habit and addiction. Wait a minute, so you're telling me after you're perfect, then you're going to serve God? It's never going to happen for you. The goal should be right where God has me, how can I produce fruit? Right where God has me, how can I serve Him better? How can I honor Him? How can I help people? How can I, how can I have the ministry God's called me to have? How can, I, how can I focus on the blessing of what God's called me to do right where I'm at? Um, the story of Joseph starts in Genesis 37. And it says in verse 5 that Joseph had a dream. He told his brothers about it. They hated him. Joseph was in spring. Now he's all of a sudden in winter because his brothers sold him into slavery. Now as a slave, Joseph could have thought, you know what? I'm not going to do anything good. I'm going to wait till God brings me out. After God brings me back into springtime, then I'm going to do my best to honor him. But as a slave, as a slave, Joseph was so organized with what he was asked to do in Genesis 39, 22, it says the warden of the prison put Joseph... Put it up there on the screen for me, please. As the warden of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners and everything that was done in jail. So he went from spring to winter to spring again. Now he's in charge of everything. Everything's going fine. And then somebody in jail decided to lie about him. They decided to do him wrong. Joseph could have thought, now people are treating me bad. I'm not going to honor God. But Joseph used his gift of interpreting dreams. Um, just like there's a gift of preaching, a gift of teaching, a gift of encouraging. He interpreted dreams and Pharaoh heard about it. Genesis 41:40. 40, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm going to put you in charge of all my country. All my people will obey your orders. There's two things I want you to see from all this. Two very important things. There are two things we can always do that will cause us to produce fruit no matter what season we're in. No matter how people are treating you, No matter what phase of life you're in, whether things are going good for you, bad for you, there's always two things that we can do no matter where we're at to produce fruit. Number one is this. Joseph had integrity right where God had him. He was excellent. He did the right thing when nobody was watching him. He did the right thing when nobody was asking him to do the right thing. He honored God right where he was with integrity. And the second thing is this. He used his gifts and his talents right where he was at. People say, you know, God, I'll I'll honor you with this gift you've given me and this talent after you open up the door for me. Or God, I'll serve you and I'll I'll, I'll use my talent for ministry after you give me my own ministry or after you open up my own business for me. you got to do right where God has you. It's where you should be producing fruit. Now, when it was all said and done, Joseph's in charge of Egypt, everything's great, and Joseph had two children. This is very important. Genesis 41, 52 It says that Joseph had two sons, Ephraim, which means to be fruitful, and Manasseh, which means cause to forget. We will never give birth to a Manasseh until we first give birth to an Ephraim. In other words, God will never bring us to the place where we're in spring and the flowers are blooming and life is so good that we actually forget about the pains from winter. God will never bring us to a place where we are actually no longer thinking about all we went through during that tough season. God can pull bitterness out of a heart. He can pull uh, resentment out of a soul. God can get us to the place where we're not even thinking about how difficult it was the season before. And that's the Manasseh. But He never does it until we first produce an Ephraim. In other words... If you want God to bring you to a place in a season of life that's so good you forget about the pains from the past, you have to first be fruitful and productive right where God has you. I've discovered in life some things will never change unless I change. Some seasons will never. Some of y'all, you've been in winter way too long, and it's because you're waiting to produce after God brings you out. you got it backwards. you got to produce right where He has you you got to do your best to serve him right in the season that you're in. I was um, reading and watching interviews about Tyler Perry. I don't know if you all know who Tyler Perry is, Medea, you know. So you all like Tyler Perry. So Tyler Perry, he's, he has a, when he was a young kid, he had a very vivid imagination, very creative. And uh, he told how when he was a young boy, he was sexually abused, uh, physically abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused by his father and four other people all growing up. And whenever this would happen to him, he would find his solace uh, underneath the front porch of his home with his pen and his notebook, and he would just sit under there and run from the pain by writing out these plays and developing these characters and how they would talk and and what their life would be like, and he he developed all these different people. And um, as he got older, he felt like that's what God wanted him to do, was to have plays and dramas and things like that. So when he was in his early 20s, he borrowed $300 from a, a relative to rent an auditorium in Atlanta to put on his first major play. He was so excited, he passed out thousands and thousands of flyers, couldn't wait for people to show up, he had everything lined up. And opening night, his big debut, he looked through the curtain to see you know, who all showed up, and not one single person was in the auditorium. But he didn't give up, he tried it again, and nobody showed up. And he tried it again, and nobody showed up. And he tried it again, and nobody showed up. And after each time, a family member or a friend would tell him, Tyler, you need to give up, get a real job just like everybody else. And just as he was about to give up, somebody else would come in his life and give him money to rent the auditorium once again. This went on for seven years, and nobody was showing up. There was times where he was homeless, times where he was living in his car, Times where he had $20 to eat off of for the whole month, and he just kept on going for it. And each time he wanted to quit, someone would come along and pay for him to rent the auditorium again. After about seven years, he thought, you know what? Maybe the problem is Atlanta. You know what we do? We love to blame our problems on what's going on outside of us rather than looking on what's really going on inside of us. The question isn't, are you in winter or spring? The question is, what are you producing right where you're at? And so Tyler thought, okay, maybe it's Atlanta's fault. So he went to South Carolina. He came, he rented a big auditorium here, and he passed out thousands of flyers, and he was getting a good response. People kept saying they were going to show up. It looked like he was going to have a big crowd. Just a few days before opening night, every single news report in South Carolina said, Biggest hurricane since Hurricane Hugo coming to South Carolina. Nobody showed up once again. They wouldn't even let people in the auditorium if they did show up because of the hurricane. He went back to Atlanta. It's interesting. Tyler had the same talent then that he has now. He had the same imagination and creativity that he has now. He had the same ability then that he has now. He was just going through a winter season of life. When he came back to Atlanta, he tried again. Rented the auditorium just like before. Passed out flyers just like normal. Five minutes before the screen was going to open up, he looked behind the curtain to see who showed up. This time, the entire auditorium was packed. There was a line from the main doors all the way outside around the side of the street. In the interview, he told... That night started the night of his success. He's now His net worth is 600, 000, $600 million dollar net worth and he's the most, um, most uh, uh, popular and most successful African-American film producer in history. But here's the interesting story. The night that started his success happened the night after he forgave his father and those other four people who did him wrong. And he said, you know what? He said, I had the talent, I had the ability, but here's what he said, I didn't have the character. He said, if God had given me that spring season back then, I wouldn't have had the ability to maintain it because of what was going on inside of me. He said the most interesting thing happened, the day after he forgave his dad, the whole place was packed. And he could not help but put the two of those things together. God knows when to bring us out of our winter season. He knows how to bring us out of our winter season. Galatians 6, 9 says, Don't get tired of doing right, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. The thing about the word season is, is it doesn't say lifetime. It says season. And we get so deceived into thinking it's going to be like this the rest of our life. Anytime we're going through a tough season, we think, I'm going to be discouraged like this the rest of my life. I'm going to be poor like this the rest of my life. I'm going to be unsuccessful the rest of my life. You can't believe the enemy when he whispers those lies to you. If you will not get tired of doing right, God has promised, a due season will always come your way. John 15, if you've got your Bibles there, verse 16 is one to highlight. It says, I chose you... And I put you in the world to produce much fruit. I find the enemy loves to use winter seasons to deceive us into not producing fruit. He'll use abuse. You can't produce any fruit because of what people have done to you. He'll use rejection. You can't produce any fruit because of how people have not accepted you and approved of you. On and on. He uses sickness. He uses um, uses age. Whenever you get to that age where you're retired and you think, okay, I can retire, I'm done with life. God does not let you off the hook because of your age. He does not let you off the hook from producing fruit because you're sick. He doesn't let you off the hook from producing fruit because you're young. He doesn't let you off the hook from producing fruit because you're old. Every one of us are called to produce fruit. In fact, there's a scripture here. And it's only for some of y'all. And I don't know who it's for. I'll let you decide if this is for you or not. But Psalms 148.12 says this. Praise God, you old people. <laughs> Who's it? It's for Bob. I know that. It's for Betty. Who else? It's for Betty twice. Um, <laughs> listen, when we stop producing, we start dying. How do you know if you're dying today? When you stop producing. I heard about this uh, 86-year-old uh, lady. She lived in a nursing home, and she wanted to try out the aerobics class and you know, do something with her life. And so she said that she bent and she twisted and she gyrated back and forth and jumped up and down, and she perspired for over an hour. And she said by the time she got her leotards on, the class was over. <laughs> but um, anyway, so listen... Um, Lonnie and Kim, they're not old, but I do want to tell you something about them. Lonnie is an incredibly successful minister. Incredibly successful. Y'all might not know them very well. Lonnie plays second keys, and, and Kim sings for us up here. But um, Lonnie is a church plant. He planted churches in his lifetime. He, um, he was pastored in his lifetime many churches. He trained up leaders. He, um, he trained up band members. He's written many books. Dr. Lonnie Riley is an incredibly successful incredibly talented, incredibly experienced minister. When he came to Solid Rock here, I thought, man, I don't want to be friends with him because he's probably not going to like me, you know, because I thought he's going to come with his own ideas, he's going to want to change me, so I was very intimidated and very standoffish with him. But of course we became great friends and he's here now. What I love about Lonnie is he might not be producing the same fruit he used to produce. He's gone through some strokes, he's had a lot of health issues, but it's not stopping him from producing fruit right where he's at. In fact, one of the greatest things that any older, successful pastor could ever do is to just be in a congregation and encourage a younger and not a successful pastor. That means more to me than anything. Just the fact that he's here to help do whatever we want him to do. He wrote books on pastoring, and he's here just to encourage me. No matter where you're at in life. No matter where you're at in life, you're not off the hook from producing fruit. There's a story in the book of Ruth, and I'll I'll kind of close with this. But um, Ruth and Naomi. uh, Naomi was the older mother-in-law. Ruth was the younger daughter-in-law. And both of them lost their husbands. Both of them went through a tragic uh, winter season of their life. Naomi handled it a little bit differently than Ruth. Here was Naomi's attitude in Ruth 1.12. Naomi said, I am too old to have hope. Here's what she was saying. The season that I'm in prevents me from having hope, prevents me from trying, prevents me from going forward. I'm just too old for anything good to happen. It got so bad in verse 20, she said, Don't even call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because I'm so bitter about my past. Here was this woman at one point in her life. The grass was green, green. The flowers were blooming. Now because she went through a winter season, she's going to leave herself there. Do you know that sometimes just by the way you talk can determine how long you're going to stay in the season that you're in? Some of y'all are in winter a lot longer than you should be, and it's because of the words that are coming out of your mouth. And so Naomi just said, listen, I'm bitter. Don't even call me Naomi anymore. Things are so bad. Well, Ruth handled it differently. Ruth decided to go and help her mother-in-law and serve somebody else and produce fruit in her life. As she was serving her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi started to get a different attitude toward the situation. She noticed that Ruth met this guy named Boaz. Boaz was a rich, single, Christian man. And so Naomi started to play matchmaker with Ruth and Boaz. She started finding her purpose in now helping her daughter-in-law. Now, for your notes, if you're single today, this next scripture is three steps on how to pick up a date, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, I'm telling you. So, Naomi, don't put it up there yet, she gives her daughter-in-law three easy steps on how to pick up somebody. And by pick up, I mean marry them, okay? I'm just saying. And so, here's the three steps, ready? Here's what Naomi told Ruth. You Ready? I Don't put it up there yet. Take it off. Take it off. I don't even want them to see it until they're ready. Are y'all ready? ready. For some of y'all, this is, the, this, is, this is why you came out of church today. This was the only... If you got nothing else from today, you get this. Okay, Ruth 3-3. me told Ruth, number one, go wash yourself, girlfriend. That's the first thing. <laughs> wash yourself, okay? Number two, put on some perfume for heaven's sakes. Amen. Number three, wear your best clothes. Now... There's a fourth one just in case he might not be interested in you at first, okay? Naomi thought, Ruth, you, you're a pretty girl, but he might not, you might not be his type, okay? Just in case you're not his type. <laughs> Go to where he's working, but don't let him see you till he's had a few drinks, okay? <laughs> that's when you that's when you really want to show yourself off, you know. <laughs> That's how Micah picked me up right there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, so I'm losing my voice. So. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Naomi found her purpose in helping Ruth. When you begin to find your purpose, no matter what season you're in, it will heal the pain from the past. Amen. Um I, I, I normally ask somebody when I'm going to talk about them in a sermon. But I didn't want Trisha to get all anticipating and crying and stuff like that. So I just want to tell a story real quick. But Trisha and her husband John, I remember the day I met them both. They came walking in church. And John, he moved a few years ago. He moved up to heaven. Um, but the last eight years of his life, he battled cancer. I mean, he was in and out of comas. He was, one week the daughter said, you're going to be dead. The next week he was in church singing in the choir. He was so passionate about church. That even when he was on morphine, where he could not even know which way was up, he would still be in church serving in some capacity. He could have thought, God, after you heal me, then I'm going to give my life to you. After you open up this door for me, then, God, you've healed people before. If you don't heal me, I'm not going to serve you. If you don't bring me into spring, God, it's all your fault. No, no, no. Right where he was at, he produced fruit. Knowing Two, one of two things was going to happen to him. Either he was going to get cured and healed on earth, or he was just going to get healed and go to heaven. One of the two things was going to happen. He knew it the whole time he's serving God. He moved to heaven a few years ago. And when he did, I, I want you to just think about this. Trisha wasn't just his wife. She wasn't just his best friend. They went everywhere together. They did everything together. She was his nurse. She took care of him every single minute of the day for eight years. She took care of him in ways that I could not even tell you from the pulpit because it's just so abnormal the way a human being would have to take care of another human being in this capacity. It didn't stop either one of them from enjoying every single day up until the last day he lived on earth. They enjoyed it. I mean, they were at a party. Just a few days before when he had the brain aneurysm and everything started. They were at a big church party, in fact. After John moved to heaven, Trisha could have thought, what am I supposed to do with my life? My kids are older. They don't need me anymore. My husband, I took care of him every second, every waking and, and sleeping moment, I was there by his side. And now he's in heaven. What am I going to do with my life? She could have sat at home and watched episodes of Andy Griffith's show and ate Briar's ice cream every day just waiting for one of the grandkids to call her up. She didn't retire. She refired. She found her purpose in being a church administrator and she's the best doggone church administrator any church has ever seen. Look at them stand up for you. You see them stand up for you. okay y'all sit down she's not that good okay just little, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding she's like a mom to me and a whole church god wants you to produce right where you're at naomi she helped her daughter-in-law find boaz hook up they got married they had a baby named obed obed was king david's grandfather When Obed was born, Ruth 4.15 says, Naomi loved her grandson so much she took care of him. It says, this is the last scripture, Obed made Naomi young again and brought new life to her in her old age. Now listen real close. When I study, I study. I read 42 different Bible translations of this scripture. 90% of those did not say the baby made her feel young. It said supernaturally God made her young when she found her purpose in taking care of her grandchild. If you read the commentaries and if you study the original Hebrew language, Micah said, don't tell them this. This is gross. I'm going to tell you something. In that in Bible days it wasn't gross, but it might be a little gross now. I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to tell you. God made Naomi produce milk in her body and she was able to feed her grandchild. might sound a little bit weird, but listen, here's the point. God wants you to produce again. He doesn't want you to stay where you're at the rest of your life, all miserable because the season you're in, focused on everything that's going bad. He wants you right where you're at to produce. And I'm telling you, if you'll begin to produce, He'll make you young again. He'll bring into your spring, your summer flowers will bloom. It may not be the most exciting season you're in, but it's an important season. What is God trying to show you? What is He trying to teach you? What do you need to learn? Because what you're doing right now is going to affect the next season of your life. And that's going to affect the next season of your life. Don't ever stop enjoying whatever season God has you in. Amen. Amen. Amen, 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 amen.